the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And good evening to you. I'm John Harrison. So great to have you here with me this Sunday evening for another Another evening of the Bible Live. And no, I'm not Soapy Dollar or Stacy Dollar, his daughter for that matter. Uh, Soapy, the two of them are away from the studio this evening. Soapy earlier had a neurological uh, issue. He had to go to the hospital. He's back at home. He's back, he's back at home, and they're anticipating being back in the studio with us next Sunday. Fingers crossed, of course. So, uh... I know Soapy loves and appreciates uh, his his loyal listeners, and so if y'all could keep him in your thoughts and prayers, that would be much appreciated. If you're a new time uh, a listener to the program, you just uh, happen to catch us on the on the dial there, six thirty a.m. here in San Antonio, KSLR, or maybe you caught us on online somehow. Well, every year, Soapy reads the Bible. Now, the Bible readings are found on the website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com. And there'll be five, you know, one for each weekday. And then on Sundays, he and his daughter, Stacy, will come into the studio and they will discuss and, you know, uh, the week's readings. They will ask questions, trivia questions. So we, you know, we at one time we gave prizes away. And uh, so uh, they're they're trying to see if maybe they can bring that back. But the the whole point is to celebrate the greatest selling book of all time and arguably the greatest book of all time. And really, what is better or more significant than the Bible? I mean, it's it's the most treasured the most loved, the most studied, and yes, the most debated book of all time. And really, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of glad, glad to use that word debated, to th- think that people are debating the Bible. It just proves to me that they're passionate about what the, what the Bible says and, and the word of Christ. And uh, Soapy has been doing this show for a long time. In fact, last week, last Sunday, we were in Revelation, if you recall. And, and during the week, 
he started Genesis and started the 23rd year in the Bible. That that's impressive. I'm I'm really I'm really proud myself. I'm proud to be a small part of this wonderful ministry each Sunday night. And uh, so what we're going to do tonight with Soapy and Stacy away from the studio, we're going to uh, go back and listen to three of the readings from this past week. And as I said, we go right back to the beginning. And that's Genesis. And no, not Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel. Genesis, creation, Adam and Eve, so much more. So, without without further ado, here's Soapy Dollar to kick it off in the book of Genesis. Yes, here we are, thanking you for being along with us tonight for this very special edition of the Bible Live broadcast. Once more, we're starting at the beginning, at the start of the book. Uh, Yay, that's it, exactly. We've made it around the horn, my friends. Over the last year, we've made our way throughout the entire Bible from the book of Genesis, which actually the word Genesis means the beginning, to the Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. Now we're beginning once more, ever since 2001. We've been reading through the Bible every year for you here in this great city and across South Texas. So thank you for joining us. Congratulations. You made it. Now let's do it again. Well, have you ever heard of the four spiritual laws? The rather famous booklet has these principles, these statements, just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe around us. So there are spiritual laws that govern, determine our relationship with God. That is the beginning and the explanation that is given for this little booklet, which shares the gospel message. God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. But there's a problem. The problem is sin. Sin separates us from that relationship with God. But God has made a provision. God has solved that problem, and he has made a provision that enables us, even as sinful, fallen, rebellious human beings, the way to be reconciled to him. He has satisfied his holiness and his justice and his righteousness and expressed his love by sending the Messiah. Messiah has come. He has carried out his role. He has completed the task of walking out the perfect life of a human being and becoming the firstborn of a new creation of humanity, the race of the redeemed. And now by faith, as we trust in the finished work of Messiah on our behalf, we too are reborn into the race, into the family of God. And that's an individual choice that we make. And finally, there's one final principle I would add. There will be a judgment. There will be a final reckoning, a determination. If you take those spiritual laws, which are really a presentation of the gospel message, that's what we're going to read about tonight in the book of Genesis. It turns out is those are far more profound laws than we know about. They really do represent the laws of God, his intent and purpose in creating the human race. We'll hear all about it right now. Let's go to our wisdom and worship segment from Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with scoffers. But they delight in doing everything the Lord wants. Day and night they think about his law. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season without fail. 
Their leaves never wither, and in all they do they prosper. But this is not true of the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. End of reading Psalm 1. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Got it started beautifully. Psalm 1. We always begin with our wisdom and worship segment. Beautiful passages from the Psalms and the Proverbs. Now, let's prepare our hearts to hear this great passage from Genesis chapter 1. Now, the word Genesis means the beginning. This book was finally written down. It was Moses who wrote the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, written somewhere in the desert during the 40-year wanderings of the people of Israel when they wandered in the desert after leaving Egypt before going into Canaan, into the Promised Land. Moses, moved and stirred by the Spirit of God, inspired, God directed him and guided him, probably wrote from a compilation of the oral tradition, the story of creation that had been passed down through generation after generation through individuals. Since creation, through the time of the judgment of the world, then Noah and his family, this story had been passed, this version of the beginnings. Moses then finally took and recorded it for us. Now, how it happened and how God did it, frankly, I have no problem myself just taking it straight at its face value. There is no way we're going to understand anyway, folks. Nobody was there. Even Moses wasn't there. This is the story that came down. Even our most advanced scientists, physicists, and others, they're not going to comprehend this. This is the God of the universe. This is outside of the scientific realm. This is outside of the natural realm. Supernatural. The God of the universe spoke this world into existence. What that looks like, what that means, I don't know and you don't know and nobody knows. You're going to either accept that God created this world with a purpose and an intent or you're going to reject it. That's the privilege God himself has given you. God did it and he did it with a purpose. He created a race of intelligent, relatively intelligent, I guess, varying levels, I guess, but sentient and volitional creatures that have a will, have potential of making a decision about what they desire and want. And he created this race so that he could draw out a people for himself. And tonight we're reading about how it all started. We begin to see that process at work. Tonight, the book of Genesis on the Bible Life. Genesis 1-1 through 426. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was empty, a formless mass cloaked in darkness, and the Spirit of God was hovering over its surface. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Together these made up one day. And God said, Let there be space between the waters to separate water from water. And so it was. 
God made this space to separate the waters above from the waters below. And God called the space sky. This happened on the second day. And God said, Let the waters beneath the sky be gathered into one place, so dry ground may appear. And so it was. God named the dry ground land, and the water seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land burst forth with every sort of grass and seed-bearing plant, and let there be trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. The seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And so it was. The land was filled with seed-bearing plants and trees, and their seeds produced plants and trees of like kind. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the third day. And God said, Let bright lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. They will be signs to mark off the seasons, the days, and the years. Let their light shine down upon the earth. And so it was. For God made two great lights, the sun and the moon, to shine down upon the earth. The greater one, the sun, presides during the day. The lesser one, the moon, presides through the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the heavens to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every sort of fish and every kind of bird. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Let the fish multiply and fill the oceans. Let the birds increase and fill the earth. This all happened on the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth every kind of animal, livestock, small animals, and wildlife. And so it was. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to reproduce more of its own kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make people in our image, to be like ourselves. They will be masters over all life, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals, and small animals. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and told them, Multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Be masters over the fish and birds and all the animals. And God said, Look, I have given you the seed-bearing plants throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given all the grasses and other green plants to the animals and birds for their food. And so it was. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was excellent in every way. This all happened on the sixth day. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 2. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, having finished his task, God rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, there were no plants or grain growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not sent any rain, and no one was there to cultivate the soil. But water came up out of the ground and watered all the land. And the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life. 
and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had created. And the Lord God planted all sorts of trees in the garden, beautiful trees that produced delicious fruit. At the center of the garden he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. One of these branches is the Pishon, which flows around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic rosin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch is the Gihon, which flows around the entire land of Cush. The third branch is the Tigris, which flows to the east of Asher. The fourth branch is the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and care for it. But the Lord God gave him this warning. You may freely eat any fruit in the garden except fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. So the Lord God formed from the soil every kind of animal and bird. He brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And Adam chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, birds, and wild animals. But still there was no companion suitable for him. So the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of Adam's ribs and closed up the place from which he had taken it. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib and brought her to Adam. At last, Adam exclaimed, She is part of my own flesh and bone. She will be called woman because she was taken out of a man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now although Adam and his wife were both naked, neither of them felt any shame. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the creatures the Lord God had made. Really? he asked the woman. Did God really say you must not eat any of the fruit in the garden? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. You won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. The woman was convinced. The fruit looked so fresh and delicious, and it would make her so wise. So she ate some of the fruit. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her. Then he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover themselves. Toward evening, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord God called to Adam, Where are you? He replied, I heard you, so I hid. I was afraid, because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten the fruit I commanded you not to eat? Yes, Adam admitted, but it was the woman you gave me who brought me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, How could you do such a thing? The serpent tricked me, she replied. That's why I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you will be punished. You are singled out from all the domestic and wild animals of the whole earth 
to be cursed. You will grovel in the dust as long as you live, crawling along on your belly. From now on, you and the woman will be enemies, and your offspring and her offspring will be enemies. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, You will bear children with intense pain and suffering, and though your desire will be for your husband, he will be your master. And to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit I told you not to eat, I have placed a curse on the ground. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. All your life you will sweat to produce food until your dying day. Then you will return to the ground from which you came. For you were made from dust, and to the dust you will return. Then Adam named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all people everywhere. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, The people have become as we are, knowing everything, both good and evil. What if they eat of the fruit of the tree of life? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished Adam and his wife from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After banishing them from the garden, the Lord God stationed mighty angelic beings to the east of Eden, and a flaming sword flashed back and forth, guarding the way to the tree of life. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 4. Now Adam slept with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When the time came, she gave birth to Cain, and she said, With the Lord's help, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to a second son and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain was a farmer. At harvest time, Cain brought to the Lord a gift of his farm produce, while Abel brought several choice lambs from the best of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his offering, but he did not accept Cain and his offering. This made Cain very angry and dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked him. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you respond in the right way. But if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you, and you must subdue it. Later, Cain suggested to his brother Abel, Let's go out into the fields. And while they were there, Cain attacked and killed his brother. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain retorted. Am I supposed to keep track of him wherever he goes? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You are hereby banished from the ground you have defiled with your brother's blood. No longer will it yield abundant crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless fugitive on the earth, constantly wandering from place to place. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from my land and from your presence. You have made me a wandering fugitive. All who see me will try to kill me. The Lord replied, They will not kill you, for I will give seven times your punishment to anyone who does. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Then Cain's wife became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and they named him Enoch. 
When Cain founded a city, he named it Enoch after his son. Enoch was the father of Erod. Erod was the father of Mehujael. Mehujael was the father of Methushael. Methushael was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, Adah and Zillah. Adah gave birth to a baby named Jabal. He became the first of the herdsmen who live in tents. His brother's name was Jubal, the first musician, the inventor of the harp and flute. To Lamech's other wife, Zillah, was born Tubal Cain. He was the first to work with metal, forging instruments of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain had a sister named Naamah. One day, Lamech said to Adah and Zillah, Listen to me, my wives. I have killed a youth who attacked and wounded me. If anyone who kills Cain is to be punished seven times, anyone who takes revenge against me will be punished seventy-seven times. Adam slept with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth, for she said, God has granted me another son in place of Abel, the one Cain killed. When Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. It was during his lifetime that people first began to worship the Lord. End of reading Genesis 1-1 through 4:26. And there you go. That's the uh, we're taking our first footsteps into the book of Genesis and into the Bible as a whole. Stay tuned. There's more from Genesis. We'll dig a little deeper with Soapy in just a moment. So don't go anywhere. Keep your radio or your computer right here. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. To the Bible Live. I am John Harrison. If you recognize my voice and you, if you're a previous listener, if you've listened over the past few years, you've probably heard my voice. I'm the producer of the show and occasionally I chime in with a comment or question for Soapy and or Stacy, you know. So, uh, it's great to have a moment to, to talk to you like this, uh, uh, you know, when they're, when they're away. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say much right now. I do want to say 
that last commercial that we played, the the one about uh, the the uh, ch- online church directory. If 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 you're like me, you already have a church family. I'm Episcopalian. I go to St. Luke's, and uh, and I would hope that uh, all of you have a church family that you can turn to, that you can be part of, part of the Christian community. But if you don't, there are some really great options on that on that list. So you go go to our website and check that out. I definitely recommend it. And I definitely recommend that you just sit back, relax, and get ready for some more through the book of Genesis. Here's Soapy Dollar and the book of Genesis. have read up into chapter 9, the creation of man, the fall of man, the expansion of the human race, Cain killing Abel, so many things happening. And remember, as we said the other day, as we read this book of Genesis, so many of the things that we read about, they're the first time they've ever happened. The first man, the first woman, the first marriage, the first brothers, the first murder, the first one to build cities and that sort of thing. So tonight we're going to continue through the book of Genesis. Right now, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment as we work our way through the Psalms. This is another Psalm of David regarding the time when David had to flee from his son Absalom who was trying to kill him. The Bible Live, Psalm 3. O Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of ten thousand enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord! Rescue me, my God! Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May your blessings rest on your people. End of reading Psalm 3. And remember, in this world as believers, we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. The enemies that we pray against, as David did in this psalm, are the world, the flesh, our own evil desires and fleshly desires, and the devil himself. Those are our enemies, and God will give us victory there as well. Even in the book of Genesis now, we're seeing very quickly, very early in the uh, narrative here, we need to be reconciled to our Creator who created us, in fact, to have a relationship with him and to enjoy him forever. Mankind has drifted from that relationship. Now it comes down to individuals. It's not a matter of the whole race in Adam and Eve. The entire race fell under the condemnation of death. The soul that sins, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. Death is a relational term. It's not a term that means ceasing to exist. Death is a relational term. It means that we have become separated from, relationally distant, cut off from God, who is our life. We fell into the condemnation of sin and death, and now God has already promised and already provided. Remember, the the Messiah is the Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. Even in this early stage, men and women who love God and come to him, they are reconciled to God through Messiah, through Jesus, who would only come maybe a couple of thousand years later. 
But still, he is the only definitive solution that God has given to the problem of sin. Now we see, as we're beginning to work through the book of Genesis, God presents himself to men and women, and there are ritualistic symbols of that sacrifice. The clarity is that God's grace is needed. A payment is required of sin. We'll see that principle as we move through the scriptures. Noah and his family had just landed. God gives them his command after they have landed after the great flood. The Bible life. Genesis 9, 8 through 12, 20. Genesis 9. Then God told Noah and his sons, I am making a covenant with you and your descendants and with the animals you brought with you, all these birds and livestock and wild animals. I solemnly promise never to send another flood to kill all living creatures and destroy the earth. And God said, I am giving you a sign as evidence of my eternal covenant with you and all living creatures. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my permanent promise to you and to all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will be seen in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with everything that lives. Never again will there be a flood that will destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, Yes, this is the sign of my covenant with all the creatures of the earth. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah, survived the flood with their father. Ham is the ancestor of the Canaanites. From these three sons of Noah came all the people now scattered across the earth. After the flood, Noah became a farmer and planted a vineyard. One day he became drunk on some wine he had made and lay naked in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, walked backward into the tent, and covered their father's naked body. As they did this, they looked the other way so they wouldn't see him naked. When Noah woke up from his drunken stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed the descendants of Canaan, the son of Ham. A curse on the Canaanites! May they be the lowest of servants to the descendants of Shem and Japheth. Then Noah said, May Shem be blessed by the Lord my God, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge the territory of Japheth, and may he share the prosperity of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Noah lived another 350 years after the flood. He was 950 years old when he died. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 10. This is the history of the families of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah. Many children were born to them after the flood. The descendants of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiras. The descendants of Gomer were Ashkenash, Rephoth, and Togarma. The descendants of Javan were Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Rodanim. Their descendants became the seafaring peoples in various lands, each tribe with its own language. The descendants of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The descendants of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Rama, and Sabteca. The descendants of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. One of Cush's descendants was Nimrod, who became a heroic warrior. He was a mighty hunter in the Lord's sight. His name became proverbial, and people would speak of someone as being like Nimrod, a mighty hunter in the Lord's sight. He built the foundation for his empire in the land of Babylonia, with the cities of Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalneh. 
From there, he extended his reign to Assyria, where he built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, Kalah, and Resin, the main city of the empire, located between Nineveh and Kalah. Mizraim was the ancestor of the Ludites, Anamites, Lehabites, Naphtuhites, Pathrusites, Kosluhites, and the Kephtarites, from whom the Philistines came. Canaan's oldest son was Sidon, the ancestor of the Sidonians. Canaan was also the ancestor of the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Girgashites, Hivites, Archites, Sinites, Arvidites, Zemorites, and Hamathites. Eventually, the territory of Canaan spread from Sidon to Gerar, near Gaza, and to Sodom, Gomorrah, Admah, and Zeboim, near Lasha. These were the descendants of Ham, identified according to their tribes, languages, territories, and nations. Sons were also born to Shem, the older brother of Japheth. Shem was the ancestor of all the descendants of Eber. The descendants of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arphashad, Lud, and Aram. The descendants of Aram were Uz, Hul, Gether, and Mash. Arphashad was the father of Shelah, and Shelah was the father of Eber. Eber had two sons. The first was named Peleg, Division. For during his lifetime the people of the world were divided into different language groups and dispersed. His brother's name was Joktan. Joktan was the ancestor of Almodad, Sheleth, Hazar Maveth, Jera, Hadoram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimael, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. The descendants of Joktan lived in the area extending from Mesha toward the eastern hills of Sephar. These were the descendants of Shem, identified according to their tribes, languages, territories, and nations. These are the families that came from Noah's sons, listed nation by nation according to their lines of descent. The earth was populated with the people of these nations after the flood. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 11. At one time, the whole world spoke a single language and used the same words. As the people migrated eastward, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began to talk about construction projects. Come, they said, let's make great piles of burnt brick and collect natural asphalt to use as mortar. Let's build a great city with a tower that reaches to the skies, a monument to our greatness. This will bring us together and keep us from scattering all over the world. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, if they can accomplish this when they have just begun to take advantage of their common language and political unity, just think of what they will do later. Nothing will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and give them different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the earth. And that ended the building of the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because it was there that the Lord confused the people by giving them many languages, thus scattering them across the earth. This is the history of Shem's family. When Shem was 100 years old, his son Arphashad was born. This happened two years after the flood. After the birth of Arphashad, Shem lived another 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphashad was 35 years old, his son Shelah was born. After the birth of Shelah, Arphashad lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah was 30 years old, his son Eber was born. After the birth of Eber, Shelah lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber was 34 years old, his son Peleg was born. After the birth of Peleg, Eber lived another 430 years and had other sons and daughters. 
When Peleg was 30 years old, his son Reu was born. After the birth of Reu, Peleg lived another 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Reu was 32 years old, his son Serug was born. After the birth of Serug, Reu lived another 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Serug was 30 years old, his son Nahor was born. After the birth of Nahor, Serug lived another 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor was 29 years old, his son Terah was born. After the birth of Terah, Nahor lived another 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah was 70 years old, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is the history of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran had a son named Lot. But while Haran was still young, he died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the place of his birth. He was survived by Terah, his father. Meanwhile, Abram married Sarai, and his brother Nahor married Milcah, the daughter of their brother Haran. Milcah had a sister named Iscah. Now Sarai was not able to have any children. Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and left Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But they stopped instead at the village of Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still at Haran. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 12. Then the Lord told Abram, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people who had joined his household at Haran, and finally arrived in Canaan. Traveling through Canaan, they came to a place near Shechem and set up camp beside the oak at Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am going to give this land to your offspring. And Abram built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. After that, Abram traveled southward and set up camp in the hill country between Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar and worshipped the Lord. Then Abram traveled south by stages toward the Negev. At that time there was a severe famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to wait it out. As he was approaching the borders of Egypt, Abram said to Sarai, You are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Let's kill him, then we can have her. But if you say you are my sister, then the Egyptians will treat me well because of their interest in you, and they will spare my life. And sure enough, when they arrived in Egypt, everyone spoke of her beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to their king, the Pharaoh, and she was taken into his harem. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, cattle, donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent a terrible plague upon Pharaoh's household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called for Abram and accused him sharply. What is this you have done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why were you willing to let me marry her, saying she was your sister? Here is your wife. Take her and be gone. 
Pharaoh then sent them out of the country under armed escort, Abram and his wife with all their household and belongings. End of reading, Genesis 9, 8 through 12, 20. Well, there you go. We're two-thirds of the way through to tonight's edition of the Bible Live Quiz Show. And, of course, uh, when Soapy and Stacy are here in the studio, they always welcome phone calls. They're not taking them tonight, obviously, because they're away from the studio. But uh, usually people call in with a question about whatever uh, readings they're discussing. But but they've always said you can always call with a comment or just a, a general question about the Bible. So next week, if they're here in the studio... Please do that. They love to converse with their their listeners. So uh, stay tuned. There's more from the from the book of Genesis on the other side of uh, on the other side of the break. <laughs> Excuse me. There, Soapy and the Bible Live will be back momentarily. Don't go anywhere.
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Man gave names to all the animals in the beginning. In the beginning. Man gave names to all the animals in the beginning. Long time ago. Saw an animal that liked to growl. Big furry paws and he liked to howl. Great big furry back and furry hair. Oh, I think I'll call it a bear. Saw an animal upon a hill. Chewing up someone's grass till he had his fill. He saw milk coming out, but he didn't know how. He said, I think I'll call him a cow. Man gave names to all the animals in the beginning. In the beginning. Man gave names Man gave to all the that's the man in black, Johnny Cash himself, right there. I'm John Harrison, producer on the Bible Life Quiz Show. And we're in the book of Genesis right now, beginning the 23rd year of Soapy's wonderful online and on-air ministry. And we appreciate and love having you join us each and every Sunday evening. Hope you're having a great weekend. Hope you've been able to stay warm and stay dry. Here in San Antonio, we've been having cold weather and just rain. And I'm not complaining about the rain because we definitely could use it. And after the summer that we had with those high temperatures, you know, the, the, the cold air in a way is kind of welcomed. In a way, in a way, I get hot easily. So, you know, in a way, I, I'm kind of enjoying the cold weather. I can handle it a little bit better. I don't know how you feel about it. But, uh, well, speaking of the book of Genesis, Soapy's got another reading from the first book of the Bible. So let's just jump right into it. Here we go. Here's Soapy Dollar, another reading from the book of Genesis on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Thanks for joining us for the Bible Live broadcast. I'm glad you're with us for this brand new Bible Live year. Now you see you got the Chinese year, you got the Western calendar year, you got the Jewish calendar year. Now you've got the Bible Live year. We start, <laughs> we start somewhere around this time every year, from the beginning at least, through the entire Bible. Now, the truth is, anytime you start listening to the Bible live, in one year's time, you will have been through the entire Bible and you'll be back where you start. So you can join with us right now, stay with us, and a year from now we'll be back here in the book of Genesis. We're picking up at chapter 13 tonight. We have traveled quickly through the opening chapters of the Old Testament, the creation of the world with the creation of Adam and Eve, the expansion of the human family, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Abel was killed by his brother Cain, then Seth was born, and many, many other brothers and sisters, and the race expanded quickly. We went through a great number of genealogies. The race fell into sin because the sin nature was at work now within the human race. 
and call forth the judgment of God on the whole human race in the time of Noah. So in chapter 7, we read about the universal flood that destroyed humanity. Then Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives, eight people, began again, a new beginning for the human race. We saw the roll call of nations that descended from Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah. After that, they still did not spread out over the world as God told them to do. They stayed together. Again, sin begins to have its impact. The mob mentality could have brought forth again judgment on the human race. But God scattered us by confusing the languages. You remember that from chapter 11. And now in chapter 12, we picked up with the story of Abram and his wife Sarai as they leave Ur of the Chaldeans and they move to the west. God is still dealing with the human race, but with a man and his family. Now to our wisdom and worship Psalm segment. <laughs> From Answer the me when I call, O God, who declares me innocent. Take away my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make these groundless accusations? How long will you pursue lies? You can be sure of this. The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer proper sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many people say, who will show us better times? Let the smile of your face shine on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and wine. I will lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. End of reading Psalm 4. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. is right the earth the entire earth the entire world is filled with his glory we are recounting it all now as we start from the beginning in the book of genesis god created this world there was a purpose for his creation there was a purpose for his creation of the human race and that he is calling out a people for himself it is interesting to recognize as believers that god has given us a faithful reliable accurate record of some of his words and his actions, but it's just that. Some of his words, some of his actions. We do not know everything. We only know what God in his grace and mercy and his wisdom has chosen to reveal to us in his word. We read these passages humbly that God deals with these different individuals in these different times. We're learning things about the God of the Bible, not only about the passage itself, about the events and the people, but about the true and living God and the realities that we live in and 
our lives. The time that we give each day to different activities, what priorities we should be having as we live from day to day. As one famous writer titled his book, How Then Shall We Live? What are we supposed to be doing each and every day of our lives? What should guide our decisions? All of that coming as we get a sense of who God is and this world that we live in, what he has told us about it and about ourselves. God has called a man now. His name is Abram. His wife is Sarai, trusting God. They have left their home. God is speaking to him, guiding him, working and dealing with him. Abram follows God, worships God. Not perfect already. We've seen him deceive the Pharaoh of Egypt about his wife, said that she was his sister, not his wife, which is only half a lie. She was his half-sister. But now Abram and Lot separate. So we're going to follow their experiences. Genesis 13.1 through 17.27. Genesis 13. So they left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, Abraham with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. For Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. Then they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where they had camped before. This was the place where Abram had built the altar, and there he again worshipped the Lord. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, was also very wealthy with sheep, cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. There were too many animals for the available pasture land. So an argument broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Then Abram talked it over with Lot. This arguing between our herdsmen has got to stop, he said. After all, we are close relatives. I'll tell you what we'll do. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want that area over there, then I'll stay here. If you want to stay in this area, then I'll move on to another place. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose that land for himself, the Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So while Abram stayed in the land of Canaan, Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom, among the cities of the plain. The people of this area were unusually wicked and sinned greatly against the Lord. After Lot was gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction. I am going to give all this land to you and your offspring as a permanent possession, and I am going to give you so many descendants that like dust they cannot be counted. Take a walk in every direction and explore the new possessions I am giving you. Then Abram moved his camp to the oak grove owned by Mamre, which was at Hebron. There he built an altar to the Lord. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 14. About this time, war broke out in the region. King Amraphel of Babylonia, King Ariok of Elisar, King Kedorlaomer of Elam, and King Kedal of Goim fought against King Bera of Sodom, King Birsha of Gomorrah, King Shinab of Adma, King Shemaber of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, now called Zoar. The kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Bela formed an alliance and mobilized their armies in Sidim Valley, that is, the Valley of the Dead Sea. For twelve years they had all been subject to King Kedor Laomer, but now in the thirteenth year they rebelled. One year later, Kedor Laomer and his allies arrived. 
They conquered the Rephaites in Ashtaroth Karnaim, the Zuzites in Ham, the Emites in the plain of Kiriathaim, and the Horites in Mount Seir, as far as El Paran at the edge of the wilderness. Then they swung around to En Mishpat, now called Kadesh, and destroyed the Amalekites and also the Amorites living in Hadazon Tamar. But now the army of the kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Bela, now called Zoar, prepared for battle in the valley of the Dead Sea against King Kedor Laomer of Elam and the kings of Goim, Babylonia, and Elasar, four kings against five. As it happened, the valley was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some slipped into the tar pits, while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and began their long journey home, taking all the wealth and food with them. They also captured Lot, Abraham's nephew who lived in Sodom, and took everything he owned. One of the men who escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew who was camped at the oak grove belonging to Mamre the Amorite. Mamre and his relatives Eshkol and Aner were Abram's allies. When Abram learned that Lot had been captured, he called together the men born into his household, 318 of them in all. He chased after Kador Laomer's army until he caught up with them in Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night from several directions. Kedor Laomer's army fled, but Abram chased them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Abram and his allies recovered everything, the goods that had been taken, Abram's nephew Lot with his possessions, and all the women and other captives. As Abram returned from his victory over Kedor Laomer and his allies, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and the priest of God Most High, brought him bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has helped you conquer your enemies. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom told him, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied, I have solemnly promised the Lord God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. All I'll accept is what these young men of mine have already eaten. But give a share of the goods to my allies, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 15. Afterward, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since I don't have a son, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no children, so one of my servants will have to be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own to inherit everything I am giving you. Then the Lord brought Abram outside beneath the night sky and told him, Look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that, too many to count. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that you will give it to me? Then the Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, 
A three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Abram took all these and killed them. He cut each one down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, divide the birds in half. Some vultures came down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. That evening, as the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep. He saw a terrifying vision of darkness and horror. Then the Lord told Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, and they will be oppressed as slaves for four hundred years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. But you will die in peace at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, when the sin of the Amorites has run its course. As the sun went down and it became dark, Abram saw a smoking firepot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants, all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Genesis 16. But Sarai, Abram's wife, had no children. So Sarai took her servant, an Egyptian woman named Hagar, and gave her to Abram so she could bear his children. The Lord has kept me from having any children, Sarai told to Abram. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram first arrived in the land of Canaan. So Abram slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. When Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, It's all your fault. Now this servant of mine is pregnant, and she despises me, though I myself gave her the privilege of sleeping with you. The Lord will make you pay for doing this to me. Abram replied, since she is your servant, you may deal with her as you see fit. So Sarai treated her harshly, and Hagar ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a desert spring along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I am running away from my mistress, she replied. Then the angel of the Lord said, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard about your misery. This son of yours will be a wild one, free and untamed as a wild donkey. He will be against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live at odds with the rest of his brothers. Thereafter, Hagar referred to the Lord who had spoken to her as the God who sees me, for she said, I have seen the one who sees me. Later, that well was named Ber Lahairoi, and it can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old at that time. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you, by which I will guarantee to make you into a mighty nation. At this, Abram fell face down in the dust. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. 
I will make you the father of not just one nation, but a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Now you will be known as Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will give you millions of descendants who will represent many nations. Kings will be among them. I will continue this everlasting covenant between us, generation after generation. It will continue between me and your offspring forever. And I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Yes, I will give all this land of Canaan to you and your offspring forever. And I will be their God. Your part of the agreement, God told Abraham, is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. The flesh of his foreskin must be cut off. This will be a sign that you and they have accepted this covenant. Every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will thus bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Anyone who refuses to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for violating the covenant. Then God added, Regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on you will call her Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of one hundred, he wondered. Besides, Sarah is ninety. How could she have a baby? And Abraham said to God, Yes, may Ishmael enjoy your special blessing. But God replied, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my everlasting covenant with him and his descendants. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will cause him to multiply and become a great nation. Twelve princes will be among his descendants. But my covenant is with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. That ended the conversation, and God left Abraham. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and every other male in his household and circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins exactly as God had told him. Abraham was ninety-nine years old at that time, and Ishmael, his son, was thirteen. Both were circumcised the same day, along with all the other men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or bought as servants. End of reading, Genesis 13:1 through 17:27. You're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show with Soapy Dollar. Now, I'm John Harrison. It's been my privilege to be here with you this evening, kind of filling in for Soapy, sort of, <laughs> so, sort of, Soapy and Stacy. We hope that they're going to be back next week. That's the plan. That's what uh, st- I heard from Stacy, that they're uh, looking to be back next week. Uh, again, uh, Soapy had a neurological issue, and uh, it was on his left side. The, the doctors are, are like almost 100% certain it has nothing to do with a stroke. And if you've been listening to our show for the past uh, several months, you'll know that Soapy uh, earlier this year suffered from a stroke, and he's been on the air. He, little, his voice is a little 
uh, slurred. But overall, for what he's been through, I'm 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 quite impressed, and we love having him in the studio. So keep him in your prayers. And uh, well, there's the music, so that means that the show is that's it. Another Bible Live quiz show in the books. Hey, if you want to re-listen to those uh, those readings or hear a different one, visit the Bible Live. That's BibleLive.com. This is AM630, The Word. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Live Quiz Show. For more information on the show, go... We'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.